salutations and shit kids um i forgot i wasn't gonna curse in this one because i actually wanted kids to be able to hear it but you know your kids if they can deal with the one curse i promise i'm gonna do my best to not curse anymore but welcome 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 back to another come on puppy to another episode of Traveling shit. Okay, so there are two curses. <laughs> Where I, your host, D. Carrie, have an experiential conversation about how I've grown and what I've learned about myself from travel, and I occasionally have a guest join me. This week, it's me and my dog, Banksy, who has decided to join me. Uh, so if you hear, you know, chewing or smacking, I promise that's that's not me. It's, it's the dog. So this week i am here to give a voice not a voice but a message to the Udem. i was honored to be a speaker for uh one of my best friends school she is a um i want to say she's a teacher not a counselor uh, you would think that you know best friend you know these things but um love her anyway I was a guest for a Black History Month series that she did, and I discussed, you know, my full-time job along with my part-time job, which happens to be this here podcast. That being said, I spoke to a group of mostly, I guess, preteens. I believe they wanted, they were 7th to 12th graders, and I had a lot of really, really good questions come in. And I'm never surprised because I used to um, teach dance class and my students were generally, um, I had the babies, which I gonna hold you, were my favorite. The uh, three-year-olds to the, three to six was the first group, six to say maybe like 10. And then there was like the, 10 to 12, kind of 13. And then you had like your 14 through uh, 16. And for the most part, um, they kind of stayed in, you know, general age levels, but you'd have a couple of kids float around depending on their, um, their dance capabilities, if you will, in terms of when I was teaching dance. And I love kids. D love the kids and speaking to kids happens to be a, uh, the dog y'all speaking to kids happens to be a, a joy of mine. I don't know what it is. I feel like they listen differently than adults and it just, it hits different knowing that the words that you say can really be impactful in how a young person has or develops their outlook on the rest of the world. Right? So I don't take it lightly when not only am I able to speak to the youth, but when I'm invited or asked to speak to the youth. So again, Alicia, thank you for that opportunity. I am always grateful for opportunities to share my experience with people. And that being said, I well, not just people, but the kids. That being said, I wanted to kind of get into some of the questions that stood out the most to me, um, they had a lot of really, really good questions. So shout out to them babies, but I'm going to keep this short because, you know, I know my, what do you call it? Uh, attention span is, but so extensive. 
So I don't want this to be long. So, um, you know, I, I'm trying to keep it to a good, I think I have four or five questions that I really wanted to answer here in an episode so that if you have a young person that you care about, that you don't care about, that you in between caring and not caring <laughs> feel about. However, I'm certain that you love these babies in your life and you know want to be able to give them some kind of encouragement as it pertains to travel. And um, I would like to uh, offer that here in this episode. So first question that I'm going to highlight is, um, and mind you, I'm paraphrasing all of the questions. I'm giving you a, um, I guess you could say, uh, a variation of the questions that were asked of me. So one, which was a really good one, and I'm glad the young lady asked it. She asked some variation of, you know, has your boyfriend ever had any issues with you traveling solo? Like, has your relationship ever gotten in the way of you and your travels. And there are so many, so many different ways to answer that. And I feel like that is a larger conversation that I personally have loved having with a lot of the young women that I've encountered in my life, whether through work or through uh, just family members. And without getting into relationship advice too heavily, I would say, well, what I did say to that young lady was yes and no. So I remember, and I think I was talking about this dude with um, my current boyfriend not too long ago, but I dated a guy who was cool. He was, he was cool, right? And part of why we didn't work was because travel just wasn't important to him. I remember him saying to me, you know, I don't want to say it's a waste of money. It's your money, but I'm never going to spend my money on travel. I'm never going to really travel with you because that's not something that I see as important for me to, um, allocate my funds to, and you do what you want, but I think that you should be saving your money. And my rebuttal to him was like, so save it for what then? You could have a million stocks and bonds and have $72 billion in savings. And what is the point? If you're not doing anything with said money, I, I feel like it's a waste of money. I think that, um, I don't want to say saving money is a waste, but I think uh, excess can be a waste because you can't use but so many things at one time, right? Your one resource that is finite, well, not your one, I'm certain that I'm leaving one or many out, but your time is finite. Our time here is very, very limited. And we don't have uh, forever as we would like to understand or how we culturally or as a society understand forever to be. The only forever we get is the span of our lives. That is our forever. And that is not <laughs> conducive to what we think forever actually is. There is an end to the time that we have here. And I can spend all of this time saving money, working, 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 saving, saving, saving for a rainy day, and then do what with it? I could drop off the face of this earth this afternoon. I can drop off the face of this earth, earth before any of you even hear this podcast, honestly. God willing, I won't. But I don't think that 
travel in any stretch or variation of how this universe is, you know, uh, pieced together is a waste of money. I can feel in my body, like I'm viscerally reacting to it. Like I can feel how strongly I disagree with that sentiment. I think that travel is one of the best things that we could ever uh, invest our money in because I really do think travel is an investment. You're able to experience firsthand. A lot of us learn, you know, through doing ourselves. A lot of us are not as easily able to learn from the experiences of other people. Sometimes we just have to experience for ourselves, right? So it would follow that the better our experiences, the more experiences that we uh, extend ourselves to, the the greater our span of understanding will be, the larger our scope of reference will be for us to be able to, um, you know, apply to active living. And that relationship clearly, well, I won't say clearly, but that relationship didn't work out. And I won't say that travel was like the primary reason. There are complete, there are absolutely other reasons why that didn't work. But that was one of the things that I can honestly say during that space, during that time that I was with uh, him, it was like, ah, is this going to work? He doesn't like the same things that I do. And that experience taught me that, yeah, certain things are non-negotiable. And for me, travel is one of those non-negotiables. It's not a non-negotiable in the sense that the, my boyfriend has to come with me places. It's non-negotiable that my boyfriend, it's not that my boyfriend agreeing with my spending is a non-negotiable because I'm a, actually, I guess that makes it a non-negotiable because I'm gonna spend my money how I, you know, choose to spend my money. And that's that on that. Granted, your boyfriend, you're welcome to suggest, um, different ways or, you know, um, options for spending or not spending. But I know for me that what's important to me is absolutely a non-negotiable. There is no way that I could see myself in a relationship that hindered or in any fashion made me feel like what was important to me um, was unacceptable or frowned upon or less than desirable. So one of the really great things about my boyfriend now that I enjoy is that we both value travel. He's got his own bucket list of places that he wants to go. I don't necessarily have a bucket list of places I wanna go cause high key, low key, all the keys across, I wanna go all the places. There's nowhere I don't want to see on this world, uh, on this planet. That being said, some of the places obviously uh, intersect. We have places that we both want to see. And it is another space in our relationship that we are able to grow. And it's another space in our relationship that we are able to uh, bond over and you know have really great conversations, not just, hey, I wanna go here and do this, or I wanna go here so we can do this together. That's all well and good, but 
besides, you know, I want to go here so you can wear whatever, or you can look and we can get these photos. It's, I want to experience this with you. I am curious about X and I would like that you're able to be there for my experience of X. And what I really want young people, old people, age people in between to really hold on to is that a partner isn't, I think that like boyfriend, girlfriend, or I don't want to say partner again, but if your um, partner doesn't identify as male or female, then I don't want to say boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, you get what I'm saying? So partner is the best, I think that's an adjective or pronoun, right? I think, I don't know, somebody. Grammar matters to me. So I want it to be correct in terms of the usage. So I'm not going to definitively say which it is, huh? Ask the ghouls. But what was that, Banks? You think it's an adjective? Cool. The dog thinks it's an adjective. I hope you're watching this on YouTube. Um, she's really cute and Binksy, the dog, my little co-host who, my silent co-host, if you will, is uh, sitting on my lap as I record. So head over to the YouTube uh, description box has the link that you can uh, find that at. But that being said, I truly, truly believe that in partnership, the same way you partner with someone that you know you connect with in business, in terms of we've got the same values, we have the same goals, we're able to work together to achieve something in particular. I think that relationships are very similar in such. So if I highly value travel, I cannot be with someone that does not allow for me to um, meet my own personal needs in that area. That does not mean that my partner has to want to go with me everywhere. That doesn't mean that my partner has to have their own really crazy, wild and exciting travel itinerary so that we can, you know, backpack across the world together. We don't have to necessarily enjoy or like the same things. We just have to give each other space to be into our own things, but still together, right? Like, I don't give a fuck about, I mean, sorry, I said I wasn't cursing. I don't care about baseball. But I will absolutely, absolutely, absolutely let my boyfriend watch baseball on the TV. It's insignificant to me. It's not important. But what's important to me is that what is important to him gets met. And I think that, and let me preface this entire episode with this entire podcast, honestly, is these are my experiences, I can't tell you what's best for you. You would have to live your life in a way that feels genuine and authentic to you. And I'll repeat that again. You should absolutely live your life in a way that feels genuine and authentic to you. If you don't take any other piece of advice I give you, just be genuine and authentic with yourself. That being said, I know that I am genuinely and authentically enamored with travel for a lot of different reasons. And I know that my partner is genuinely and authentically 
you know, a baseball lover. He played literally, he played softball. And, you know, that's something that he was able to grow into and have an appreciation for, I guess. Not my thing. Same way I feel about dance. So we have to be able to give each other space in the sense that we may not always like the same things, but we don't diminish each other. I don't talk hot mess about baseball. I mean, I do, but in like a a respectable banter kind of way. You know what I mean? Like I don't say, no, it's not coming on in this house because we both don't like it. If you find a partner that is trying to full stop um, limit you on anything, whether it be travel, sports, hair, makeup, food, chances are that's not the partner for you. Unless they are doing so in a fashion that is to, of course, keep you safe, like if you're overindulging in um, drinking or you know, if you're overindulging in eating in the sense that it's becoming really unhealthy and they're really just speaking out in terms of, listen, you know that you've got, um, you know, issues with digesting. I don't know. I don't know why gluten is in my mind. Like if they know, listen, you don't do well with gluten or you don't do well with dairy, maybe you should kind of full, full stop or slow down. That's one thing. But if they're telling you, "Mm, that hair doesn't look good on you. You shouldn't do that. I like when you do this. It's one thing to like something. It's another thing to try to dictate or decide what, um, you know, another person does. So in, in answer to that question, if you kind of haven't gauged where I was going with it, find a partner that gives you space to enjoy the things that you already enjoy. Give, find a partner that gives you space to explore enjoying new things. If your partner ever tries to put limits on you outside of limitations in terms of, you know, safety and, you know, what you can both agree to be your better good, chances are it's not the right partner for you. And that's what y'all say on Mary Had a Little Lamb. I saw somebody say on Barney and Friends, on uh, Mr. Rogers and the Neighborhood. I'll add that one to the mix, all right? Never heard that before, so boom, throw that in uh, in the loop of the uh, common vernacular. But absolutely find a partner that allows you to be who you are genuinely and authentically. I have thankfully found a partner that doesn't have a problem with the idea of me traveling solo. I don't have a problem with the idea of him traveling solo. I think that everybody should have that experience in their lives. Um, We, of course, enjoy traveling together and intend to travel together so much more, but I don't see how in the future, if he decides he wants to take a trip with his friends or if he wants to take a trip, you know, on his own, that that has any bearing or judgment on how he cares about me or vice versa. So to any of you that are considering relationships in relationships or just curious about relationships with a partner that may not necessarily be, you know, 100% or even fairly curious about some of the things that you find yourself to be interested in, really, really, really take some time and delve into and remind yourself why those things in particular are important to you. And if, and when, 
you can pick those things out and name them for yourself, hold tight on to that. This other person, if it if you're really, you know, young and you're listening to this and you know, you're still in the phase of dating to learn yourself or dating to see what's out there, then it's possible that this just, you know, may not be the last person you're going to be with. That's one of the things I like to um, remind my young cousins when they, um, you know, pull up with a new shorty or, you know, they introduce the family to their new partner. Okay, that's cute. But guess what? You're still my cousin. I don't know this person that well. Am I open to getting to know them? I absolutely am. However, you are my primary concern. The same way you should be your primary concern. And if someone is trying to keep you from something safe that you know is important to you, chances are that it's not the person from you. So in a very long drawn out roundabout way, if my shorty had an issue or my boo like she said, had an issue with me traveling solo, that wouldn't be the boo for me. And that's because I've had um, time enough to realize that my priorities and what's important to me are important to me because they're mine, they're part of me. And I'm not in the space to allow anyone to change who I experience myself to be. I'm not in the space to allow anyone to change, you know, the woman that I still am growing into 35 years in and I'm still growing. I'm still learning and exploring and experiencing new things. And there's no way that I'm going to let anybody else dictate what that looks like for me. And, um, happy I know it now. Honestly, I wish I may have known it, um, or, you know, come into it a bit sooner, but you know, who knows what my life may have been otherwise. And I've got to say, as a reminder again, young folks, experience these relationships in the space of how they treat you and teach you how to love yourself. Experience these relationships in the space that they allow you to be yourself. Um, you know, be a little bit more discerning with the partners you choose, especially when it comes to that space of being yourself. In that whole era of dating, one of the things that I didn't realize, younger dating in terms of like, you know, high school through college through early 20s, one of the things I didn't, I can, I can probably say I didn't know. I didn't even give it much of a thought but what I didn't realize about a lot of those relationships uh, that I was in was that I was learning myself in many instances through somebody else's eyes and not really considering how I saw myself in those situations. And as I got older and went through a very long time of not actually having a boyfriend and just, you know, dating, I saw the value in how I saw myself in many of the people that I was dating or seeing. And that's when there was a real shift for me. And that's when I realized that how I see myself and how I experience myself was so much more important to me 
than how someone else experienced me or how someone else felt about me. And um, in my travels, I've been very much so able to experience so much more of myself because I'm actually in, um, you know, many times situations that I never could have had while I was home just because it's a different level of being outside of your comfort zone. And I'm not saying that you have to go far for that to happen, but just the idea of being in an environment where you don't speak the language or being in an environment where you don't know anybody, you don't know the terrain, you don't know the land. And you're also in a lot of times just very far into the norms, like the cultural normalities that are happening around you. Being in a lot of situations like that and just being open to new things, new people and new experiences has absolutely given me the opportunity to see myself in so many different uh, situations and variations. And all that's done is be able to expand on my um, experience and understanding of myself. So not only do I encourage young people to travel, but I encourage young people to really do uh, the work of being more concerned with how you see yourself and how you experience yourself in your interactions with other people versus experiencing how other people see you and how other people interact with you. So that's that on that question. Uh, next question. One, well, I'm only gonna do, what is this? Two, four, five questions. One of the other questions that really stood out to me was, what does it feel like to surf? So I like that question so much because it really let me, I guess, open up about, I'd never seen a black surfer. I'm 35. Can't say that I, you know, at some point because of social media, haven't seen a black surfer now, but before I actually, uh, left the country at 30, I can't say I have any recollection of ever seeing a black surfer. So for me, being able to see myself, pause, I grew up on Shark Week. My dad and myself and usually my little brother watched it like every year. I feel like it was like an August thing. And we watch it every year. So I was, I've always been, still low-key am, well, high-key, still am quite terrified of sharks. So every time I get in the water, it's me facing my fears, right? Every time I'm in the water and focused on something other than looking for sharks, it's me absolutely facing my fears. So being in the water and putting all the energy and efforts and body control into surfing was exhilarating. It wasn't just, you know, facing, uh, you know, trying something new. It literally was ignoring the story in my mind that um, a shark is going to devour me in the ocean. Sounds really dumb. I get it. But it wasn't just trying something new, it was trying something new that I knew scared me because I'd heard for the longest time that, you know, shark bit this surfer or this surfer experienced this injury or this surfer didn't make it. And it was just like, 
wow, surfers really be, they're brave. Surfers get into the water and do all this that they say that they love and enjoy doing for God knows what reasons, even though there are these animals that they can't control that could actually hurt them in the water. So it was just like, what? Y'all are weird. Why would you do that? But y'all, I promise traveling has given me the opportunity to do things that I guess you could say I'd otherwise said I would never do. I never saw for myself that surfing was an option. I'd never seen a black face, let alone a black woman surfing. And what I would also like to add was that surfing was on that trip in particular, an accident. I was in Guadalupe. At this point, it is a little bit past a year to date. I was in Guadalupe, uh, January, 2020. And if you're listening to this in like 2027, at that time, we weren't really aware of what COVID was and what it was doing. So, you know, it was still safe to travel. And I booked a day tour with Kat and Ben from Surf Guada, and we'd done a lot of black history on the island. And lo and behold, we end up on the beach and they had surfboards and they were like, well, do you want to surf? Ben is going to go out and surf. So I sat and I talked and had a really great combo with Katya for a while. And then Ben came back and was just like, all right, come on, we'll grab the board. Let's, let's get you out there. And Kat was like, I'll give you lessons. I'm no pro, but I'm beginning. So it makes sense in a beginner, you know, fashion. So it should, you know, I can translate how I understand it as a beginner for you. And that's another thing that I think really helped me out is having someone who was still kind of new at it, uh, explain it to me as opposed to someone that has been doing it for 20 years or, you know, seven years and just like, yeah, it's so easy. And she, <laughs> that disconnect didn't happen for me. So that's another benefit to it that I had. That being said, I went for it because it was an opportunity that was presented to me in the moment. And it felt incredible. I really faced the fear that I had. I also just didn't know if I could do it. And I didn't surf the way you see on TV when you're riding the wave and you're standing on the board. I didn't get that far. I was able to get from my belly to my knees and from where I was in the ocean to the shore. It happened. There's footage. I am proud. And it really hit different just because I don't see people that look like me doing it. And it's not like, you know, a black people, white people, brown people, people from this country, people from that country. It wasn't so much that. It was more, I never thought I could do this. Regardless of who all is out there, I'm certain there's plenty of black women that serve. I'm, I promise you there are plenty of back, black men and you know, people of color that surf. I just don't see them. I'm a city girl. I'm from New York. And quiet as it's kept, social media wasn't always a thing because remember, 35. I'm a baby of the 80s and a child of the 90s where social media wasn't a thing. So being able to see people all over the world, and I hate the phrase, all walks of life, but 
people from all walks of life wasn't really a thing until I kind of already had a, you know, formation of what a mental formation, if you will, of what the world was and, you know, what I understood to be an option for me. So it was really, really, I guess you could say empowering, even as a grown woman, it was very empowering to be able to do something that I'd never seen somebody like myself do. And it was a reminder in that, you know, uh, question session that representation really does matter. And when you're able to see someone doing something that you don't necessarily even have to be particularly interested in it, in it. Like I'm not particularly interested in politics in the sense that I would want to be involved in politics or a politician of any fashion. But seeing black and brown women in politics, absolutely, even as a grown woman, oh, okay, yeah, we do that too. Like I know we do all things, but seeing it is an entirely, an entirely different experience. And I, huh, here's a funny story. So I don't know how old I was. I'd have to ask the Googles when this episode first aired, but I will never forget when Zach Morris kissed Lisa Turtle in that episode of Saved by the Bell when uh, there was an earthquake and they were hiding under the table and Zach and Lisa kissed. Y'all, I don't know why it was then that I said, oh my God, White boys can like me too, because I that was the first time that I remember seeing it. I'd seen interracial couples plenty of times. You know, I had an uncle who was married to a white woman and I'd never seen, however, a white man with a black woman. And when I saw Zach Morris kiss Lisa Turtle, it was like, Whoa. So now the idea that all these little boys, all these little heartthrobs that I was seeing on TV presented to me as, oh my God, he's the cutest boy in this area, or the cutest boy that. All the boy bands, all, you know, like the, um, you watch uh, 90210 and, you know, the 21 Jump Streets and all the little shows that you watch where there's like the it guy, right? I'm just like, whoa. So white guys can like black girls. It's not just black guys who like black women, or it's not just, you know, white women who get attention from heartthrobs and, you know, white guys that are on TV. They, one of them can like me too. So it sounds dumb, but sometimes you don't realize that you don't, sometimes you don't realize the limitations you put on yourself until that limit, if you will, is somehow lifted from you. So that question really reminded me how much representation matters because I know how I felt doing something I'd never seen anybody else do. And that's another reason why I, it's another reason why I really do my best to like, I promise y'all one day 
I will be a fully sufficient and fully, I guess you can say, funded. I will work solely on the creative projects that I want to work on because I want my goddaughters, I want my godkids, I want all my little nieces and nephews to know that there is another lane out there. You can make money being yourself. You can make money and support yourself and your family doing the things that you're passionate about. Like we're no longer of the generation where you work 20 and 30 years for a company or a corporation that you don't really like just because that's where the money is. And it's not to say that there's something wrong with that. It's just to say that there is more than that. If that is not where your interests lie, you don't have to stay there because it's safe. I want the babies in my life to know that should they be interested in anything creative, there's a lane for them. There is absolutely uh, opportunity for them to be who they see themselves being. They're able to grasp and hold tightly to any of the opportunities that may come their way that allow them to profit and to grow from pouring into the parts of themselves that you know, feel best when nurtured. They are able to be um, fully functioning and working creatives. And uh, I go so hard with this because I want them not to have to go that hard, you know? Uh, my mom always encouraged me in all of the creative things that I did. And I really got to thank her. Thanks, girl, uh, for that. Because, and even my dad would come around after a while, like, oh, podcast, okay. Yeah, I like this one. This was good, you know? But that being said, I really appreciate, you know, my family in general for never really stifling the the hustler in me. I remember I used to do a lot of little creative things or I'm going to sell this or I'm going to do this and I'm going to make money doing this. And I was like, okay. And I know, <laughs> shout out to my uncle Andy. He let me have a laundering business <laughs> where I would like print up little flyers. Thank you, ma, for not like literally letting me put them out around the neighborhood. But I had little flyers where I would wash your clothes and iron your shirt. So I would wash my uncle's um, like work shirts and then I would iron them for it. Basically doing the stuff that adults do. But at like nine, it was a business. So shout out to my family for really fueling and feeding into all of my little hustles, all my little business, <laughs> all my little schemes, all my little ideas. And uh, look at me now. And I really, 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 really want to be that example for other kids. You can do what your heart wants you to do. So before I get all the way in my bag, next question. Uh, what inspired you to travel? This was a fun one because one of the kids, uh, 
I make this a two-part question. What inspired you to travel and why do you go alone? Because they're kind of the same but different. And uh, it's funny because one of the kids told uh, my best friend that I was a bad friend for not bringing her with me. (laughs) Shout out to him for being loyal. Shout out to him for being loyal to his teacher. I respect it, kid. But um, I decided to travel because, two-part answer. Okay, so I decided to travel for for one reason and then I decided to go alone for a different reason. So I decided to travel because even as an adult, it took me seeing other women that looked like me and sounded like me doing it to really believe. It's not one it's one thing to know and another thing to believe. Like I knew that I could always travel. I knew that, you know, anything I wanted to do, it was possible, right? But in a lot of ways, I can honestly say I probably didn't believe it. And when I saw Anissa and when I saw um excuse me, Anisha, and when I saw Marissa traveling, and I've had them both on the uh podcast. I realized, huh, not only do they look like look like me, but they sound like me. Because we all know black people are not a monolith. Uh, my variation of personality is not the same variation of everybody else's. The things I like are not the same things that everybody else likes. We're all allowed to like and experience and enjoy our own things, right? But these two women, I felt like we had so much in common. And I'm like, well, dang. If they can do it, like, so can I, because I always had the idea in my head for some reason that I needed to do it a certain way, right? So before I started traveling and planning my own trips, I thought that like, oh, well, I have to have a travel agent, right? Because I've never done it before. I don't know where to go. Or I have to let this person in on it and they have to help me do this because how can I figure out how to do these things by myself? And I started traveling because I had these women on my team, if you will, telling me, you can do it by yourself and taps mic, you'll be fine. You do not need to have, you know, someone do it for you. Can you? Absolutely. Is there anything wrong with having somebody do it for you? Sure ain't. But I was letting the thought and the idea that someone had to help me or that someone had to do it for me keep me from going. Because in my mind, I'm like, all right, well, travel is going to be one expense, but then paying somebody else to book everything and arrange everything and schedule it and answer all my questions is an entirely different feat. And yeah, to my understanding, that's how it works. I've never booked with a travel agent. The closest thing to that, I can say honestly, is uh, using Expedia when you, uh, you know, package your travels, right? That's the closest that I've been to using a travel agent. And it's not to say that travel agents are bad or a waste of money because they absolutely provide a valuable service. If you don't got the energy, if you ain't got the, the patience or the time to, you know, search out for the flight, that's going to get you the best bang for your buck or, you know, look into and read all the reviews and the comments and the, um, uh, what do you call it? The, well, reviews and comments of people that book with a certain hotel or book with a certain Airbnb or ex- uh, excursion company, or whatever. If you don't have the energy or the time to go through all of that, pay somebody else to do it. I've paid people to do other things that I didn't want to do. 
Granted, I haven't yet, but can I clean my whole house? Of course I can. Do I want to? Of course I don't. So I would absolutely pay someone to clean my house. Just because you can do it doesn't mean there's not a market for somebody else to do it for you. So no, I am not against using travel agents. However, I thought that that was the only way to do it. And in that sense, it presented itself as a, uh, a cost inhibitor. Like I, I thought that I wouldn't be able to do it all if I needed to do it that way. And thanks to seeing women that looked like me, sounded like me, had similar ideologies and, you know, uh, life experiences to what I had, I was just like, huh, okay, I can do this. And I did it because in answer to the why I went solo question, I got tired of waiting. I've always been the single friend with no kids and... You know, I love my homegirls, but it's really hard to uh, coordinate schedules and responsibilities in all fairness when I don't have any kids to worry about. I don't have a partner to coordinate schedules with or coordinate financial goals with. I can do come and go as I please. Like I'm really only beholden to myself and the dog, but... When I go on vacation, she goes on vacation. She goes to my parents' house and they let her do whatever she wants to do. So we both have a good time. But instead of waiting for the perfect relationship so that I could travel the world with my boyfriend, um, or instead of the waiting for a girlfriend of mine to check in with her husband, um, you know, and save money because she's got kids to provide for, I decided that I would go on my own because I knew that I would forever be waiting, not because my friends are incapable of taking time away from their families to travel, but in my mind, when I want to go, I want to go. And I've got the luxury of making those types of decisions. I don't have to find childcare. I drop my dog at my parents. I don't have to um, you know, uh, I guess you could say save because my excess income is my income. It doesn't become, and by excess, I mean what I don't spend on living expenses, what I don't spend on food, what I don't spend on like personal care in terms of soap, pads, paper towels, toilet paper, stuff for my home, Right. In terms of all of my disposable income, the money that's not spent on life necessities, that gets to be mine. I don't have to worry about putting into, at least not yet, um, you know, a college fund. I don't have to worry about, um, I don't own a house, so I don't have to worry about putting money aside for if the boiler breaks, you know? These are things that I don't have as responsibilities. So it would always stand out to me that it would, somewhat be unfair for me to want to go away with my homegirls and then expect that they can just throw their money to all the things that they want to do the way that I can. And I've always been very, um, I don't want to say sensitive to it as if it's a, a bad thing or if it's a thing that is impossible. It's just that I know that I can be quite spontaneous. I know that 
the way my mind is set up, I don't necessarily do the best job of explaining things. I don't necessarily do the best job of waiting for an agreeable or a, um, doing air quotes here, or an uh, acceptable time to do things. If I got a week next month off and I got a couple hundred dollars to throw away, air quotes, I'm gonna go someplace. And I don't think that it, um, well, I understood it not to be fair to expect that my friends that had a different set of life responsibilities would be able to do that the same way. So instead of waiting for, you know, the perfect set of circumstances, me getting a boyfriend, then we're all taking group couple trips or, you know, waiting till I got married and had kids or I found a partner and had kids or I just had kids. And then we're all going on a group trip to someplace that our kids are going to like or something like that. I decided I want to travel and I went. So I decided to travel because I saw that it was something that I could do my own way. I could do it on my own terms and the way that I felt would be most beneficial to me. And I decided to go by myself because I finally realized that that is important enough for me to prioritize that. It was, it became important enough to me once I saw it was an option that it was something that I wanted to do right away. It was something that I did not want to consistently put off the same way you know, you hear older people say, oh, I'll do it when I retire or when my kids are grown, I'll be able to X, Y, and Z. Well, I didn't want to wait. I'm an impatient person. You know, I wanted to do it here and now. So instead of waiting till I retired or waiting until all the the cards lined up, I decided it just for me was the right time to go. So, you know, I would encourage anyone that is waiting on the perfect conditions to at least start saving. Put some money aside, put some coins in the, you know, in the jar or however, you know, the best method for you works. And when you're ready, whatever that ready looks like, whether it's seeing or hearing from someone that looks like you, that it is a possibility, whether it's waiting on that piece of, or that space of representation on, even if it's not travel, even if it's just something that say you want to do some kind of culinary feat that is only done in a cultural or country that, you know, you've not had the chance to visit, but you know that you enjoy cooking and you just say, well, maybe I can try it. I don't care what it is. If not for nothing else, but my experience learned from me that there's no time like the present. I think I said it in the beginning of this episode. I might not make it till the, like you could be hearing this episode and I'm not here. But I know that I have lived a a life that I'm proud of. I've taken chances on myself. I've taken chances doing the things that will give me an experience of myself that I can be proud of and that I can continue to grow from and learn from. And I absolutely want that feeling for everybody, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're aged in between, there is nothing like betting on yourself. And for me, travel was betting on myself. Here I is. So the last question that I am going to uh, reiterate was, oh, this was a fun one. What do you bring 
with you on every trip. And I'm going to um, truncate this answer for you. I bring sense. You know, the one thing that I said, I start off by saying, you know, I bring my phone because I like taking pictures. I use Google Translate. You can download maps. You can write things down, little notes. Uh, you can have pictures and access to your email. You can keep in contact with your family members, all the practical reasons, right? So technology is absolutely one thing that I bring myself, bring with myself or bring with me when I travel. And the other thing was, you know, I uh, bring a, I guess like a first aid kit, if you will, any kind of medication that I would use at home to make myself feel better, whether that be Pepto, whether it be Tylenol, Aleve, Excedrin, I always bring Dramamine, anything, any pill that I could take that I trust or any Neosporin, tweezers, band-aids, nail clippers, a small pair of scissors, like all those little things that ah, my life would be so much easier if I could just, ah, I would feel so much better if I could just, something as simple as, you know, putting a Band-Aid on a hangnail so that you don't continue to keep rubbing on it putting, you know, uh, a Band-Aid on the back of your heel because your socks are too short and your sneakers or your shoes are digging into the back of the heel or many different reasons. So those are the tangible and practical things that I always bring with me and I've learned to keep them in uh, hand-sized ways that I can actually keep on my person because they don't do you any good if they're in your hotel room or your Airbnb when you're out and about and you need them. Remember that. That being said, one of the other things that I bring with me everywhere is my sense. I absolutely bring my sense and included with my sense is myself. Like my sense is not separate from myself. At least I would not, I would hope that it's not. I would hope that my uh, good sense travels with me wherever I go. And my good sense has allowed and... I'm plugging in my charger. That's why I sound a little bit further. My good sense has been able to come with me and have me feel that level of safety that a lot of people question solo travelers about. They always ask, you know, why do you feel safe traveling here? Or is it safe to do X, Y, and Z? Or, you know, how do I... Safety is just some variation of a question when people find out that I travel um, solo. They ask if I'm scared and all those uh, and all that. Yeah, I get scared, but not scared in the sense that I feel as if it's something I can't do. I get scared in the fashion of something is new to me. That I will say has been my personal experience of fear is, you know, well, how do I maneuver this? How do I navigate this option? Or what is the best recourse for X if this happens when I'm traveling or you know while I'm in an, an experience? But what has guided me and what I believe has kept me safe in so many different experiences is my sense. I'm from New York. So situational awareness High key important. No variation of low key. High key important. 
situational awareness. Pay attention to what's going on around you. Listen, look. Also, trust the energy. Sometimes you can walk into some place and not hear anything. Feel it instead. If no one's talking, feel why no one is talking. Try to get a, a, a sense of, are people tense? Are people nervous? Is this an environment where I might have to dip out real quick? Is this an environment where people are quiet because they're comfortable? Are people quiet because they feel safe in this space? Or are they quiet because they're on edge? Feel the room, listen to the environment of what's going on around you. That being said, I'm in neighborhoods I never been in. Well, not anymore because COVID, but you know, going into someone else's neighborhood that I'm not from was never as scary an experience because I'm honestly a good actress. I will walk like I belong there. And I said in the conversation I had with the, um, with the class in, I don't want, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Okay. I'll start with the description and then, uh, run back with it. Right. So I said to the kids, I carry myself like I'm someone's daughter. I carry myself like I am my grandfather's granddaughter. I carry myself like I am my mother and my father's child. I carry myself like I'm Brandon's sister. And that being said, you know, I got that from Denise. We did an episode, I want to say 110, 115 or so. So shout out to all the incredible um, black and brown women I've had conversation with on this podcast. But when she said that in our conversation, it made perfect sense because walk around like you belong. You know what I mean? Like you get to be wherever you place yourself within reason. You don't belong in other people's business. You don't belong in, you know, situations that you can obviously see have nothing to do with you. Let's, let's not throw reason out the window. And again, back to sense, right? It's one thing to feel uncomfortable because you feel like, oh, maybe I don't make enough money to be here, or maybe I'm not pretty enough to be here, or, you know, am I the right size to be in here? Am I too big? Am I too small? Are people looking at me because they think I'm not smart enough to be here? Nix all of that. You belong where you place yourself. And I said to these kids that I belong in myself. I belong to myself. I am me. And I enjoy who I am. And I am a gift to the places that I go. I'm bomb. I'm a really cool person. I enjoy my own company. That's why I don't really have as much of an issue also going places by myself because I'm really good company, quiet as it's kept. Wink, wink, right? That being said, your skin belongs wherever you are and you belong where you place yourself. Don't ever feel like you don't belong someplace because of the color of your skin. You may not be safe in every place because of the color of your skin, but baby, this world is everybody's, okay? This world is everybody's. It belongs to everyone. There is nowhere that you should not feel comfortable being yourself. That is not to say that you will be safe being yourself everywhere. Those are two different things. And what I've done, this is my experience, what I have done to be safe in other places is to bring the good sense that I have learned and developed home with me wherever I go. 
When you walk into someone's home, you speak, you're kind, you smile. Things are much easily gained through sugar versus what, vinegar, or I think it is, sugar, sugar and honey. You know what I mean? You attract flies with sugar and honey or something like that, attract bees. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. It's so much easier to, for me, in my experience, I, I absolutely find it easier to just be kind to people. It's easier for me to be nice to people than it is to be nasty to people. Don't mean that I can't get nasty. That doesn't mean that you don't stand up for yourself. But I find that people say, oh, well, how do you do this? Well, you know, I ask for help and I smile. And it's worked. Being nice actually helps in a lot of situations where you feel like, you know, you need help. When you're coming to someone, you know, uh, needing their assistance, in my experience, what's always helped me get the assistance is by asking nicely. And if you can't get assistance that way, a lot of times it'll have nothing to do with you. It has to do with that person. It has to do with them not being in the space to be able to help you. A lot of times it has nothing to do with you being unintelligent, un, you know, worthy of help or um, any variation of undeserving. It's just that sometimes people aren't in the space to give you the help that you need. And me being comfortable with who I am and how I am with myself has allowed me to take some things less personally you know, and when you're able to not take things as personally, especially when cultural norms and cultural differences come into place, I recognize and I understand that some, in some places it's culturally taboo, if you will, for, um, men to come into certain forms of contact with women. Right. So I will generally ask a woman for help. Uh, sometimes I'll ask a man for help because, I ain't going to hold you. Being pretty helps. It does. I ain't going to sit here and lie to the kids. But, you know, being nice has really been, in my experience, what has helped me get a lot of help when I've needed help. And in terms of, let me just go back to it. Keeping myself safe in other places. I listen. I watch. And I absolutely listen to myself. Like I don't just listen audibly, but I listen to my intuition. I listen to my feelings. Do I feel safe? Does this feel like the people around me feel safe? Also, do the people around me feel comfortable with me being here? It doesn't necessarily mean that I don't belong there, but it also can mean that I may not continue to be safe in a space where other people feel unsafe with me being there, right? Just because your experience of yourself and other people is peaceful doesn't mean that other people have to think that way about you. And by no mean by no means do I mean that just because you like being someplace and you feel comfortable with yourself being someplace does it mean that you're going to be safe there. What I'm saying to you is that you when you are comfortable in your own skin, it can be so much easier to have a feel, a general acceptance or um, what's the word I'm looking for? A general tone gauge, if you will, of, I guess, you know, what other people are feeling. When you're comfortable with yourself, a lot of times, the 
I'm looking for the word here, the energies that other people are putting off isn't conflated with you wondering, oh, do they like me? It's a matter of, well, I like me. So you liking me doesn't negate whether or not I will sit in this space. It just makes me now listen to if I'm, damn, I feel like I'm over talking and making it make less sense because I want this to hit for you guys. I've found in my experience that the more comfortable I've been with myself, the more, the easier it is for me to have other people be comfortable with me. If I'm uncertain of the energy and the the vibes, if you will, that I'm bringing to the situation, it's fair for other people to be new to me like it's fair for other people who don't know me to be to question my existence there to question whether or not I belong there i think a lot of what has kept me safe in some instances is just because i walk around like i belong there i try not to look lost in places i try not to come off um necessarily as a tourist and one of the perks to being in the modern age of technology is that it's absolute, everybody is taking photos of themselves in an area. Everybody is taking pictures of what's going on around them. So now, thankfully, we are in a, a world where selfies and photos don't necessarily, um, don't always tip you off as a foreigner. It's, you just gotta go with the flow. That's one of those traits that I can't really teach you it's absolutely something that I can tell you, you can strengthen and develop at home. Start to put yourself in situations at home that are new. This way, you know that you've got the comfort or the support or the safety net of your friends and family being close by and you're able to really get a feel for who you are in different areas, in different environments. When you're open to trying new things and when you're open to you know, experiencing new things and new people, it's a little bit easier to do that when you know that you still have some semblance of control as opposed to doing it someplace where you've got no control of the language, you've got no control of the, the religion, no control of the people around you. You know, it's a lot easier to put yourself in uncomfortable situations abroad. And I mean uncomfortable in the sense that they're just new. It's easier to put yourself in new situations abroad when you're used to being in new situations at home. So I absolutely, absolutely think that one of the things that I bring with me everywhere is my sense. And that sense is what has given me the opportunity to feel safe in a lot of different in a lot of new environments. Bring the good common sense the Lord bestowed upon you with you wherever you go. The same way I walk in somebody's hood in New York that I'm not from is the same way I walk in somebody's hood in another country that I'm not from. I'm not gonna walk around, you know, I'm from Southside. I'm not walking around Brownsville, East New York, Harlem, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Upper East Side, Upper West Side, um, the Heights. Virginia, uh, what do you call it? Virginia's a whole, a whole state, y'all. Um, Raleigh in North Carolina. I'm not work, walking around Miami, you know, 
obviously, oh, where am I? Where are all the things? Hey, I'm new here. Do you know where X, Y, and Z is? You ain't got to do all of that. Hey, how are you? Can you point me in the direction of X, Y, and Z? Hey, have you been to, am I on the right way? It, there's a, a good sense to asking for help. You can always monitor your tone. And I really think that if you make it less rocket science and more, hey, you have some piece of information that I need, it can absolutely benefit you. I feel like I've really just talked that into uh, an oblivious circle, but I hope that made sense to you. Be comfortable in yourself and it's a lot easier for people to be comfortable with you. That's been my experience. The more comfortable I've been with myself and the more kind I've been with people, I've absolutely felt more easily um, digested, if that makes sense. I feel like people receive me best when I am presenting my best. And my best isn't necessarily the best outfit, it's not the best haircut, it's not the best, you know, when my eyebrows look good or not. It's when I am confident in how I am presenting myself to people. And I find that I'm more confident presenting myself to people when I feel confident about how I am experiencing myself, not how other people are experiencing me, when I'm comfortable and when I'm confident in how I feel about myself. I have a much better time getting the response that I want from other people. And I've absolutely got to throw in that reminder that that does not mean that people need to accept and appreciate and love everything about you. That ain't it. We ain't all for each other. But what it is, is a reminder that what's for you is for you. You are for you and not everyone is going to like you. However, when you kindly, genuinely and authentically approach people and use the good sense that keeps you safe at home, abroad, you will generally be well-received. It does not have to always be a scary experience. So I will wrap it up there. I will end it there. I will um, say thank you for joining me. And if you have any further questions, if you want to you know, um, hear more about my travels and trips, if you're sharing this with a young person, caveat in saying, you know, you decide whether or not you want to let them listen to past episodes where I may have used more vulgar language or spoken about more adult topics. But I would absolutely like to say that I hope that you can feel comfortable sharing this with the young people in your lives so that they can, you know, have a couple of really general and broad questions about travel answered that would give them the courage and the confidence to, you know, focus in on themselves and see if travel is something that they would like to do. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed it myself. I had a good time because I had fun. My little co-host Binksy is down here in my lap snoring. I don't know if you can hear her. She too is happy to be here and is hoping that you can really settle in with the idea that travel is more than vacation, guys. There's so much There's so much out there for us to learn and experience. So I hope you come back another week and enjoy more conversation about travel with me. Bye.
Bye.